I'm Jesse Parker. And I'm Tommy Niblack. Jesse and I are super excited to share with you episode 36 of The, the Faith Share, where we ask questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. And on today's episode, Jesse and I tackle the topic to sing or not to sing. That is the question. I hope you're ready. Let's get into it. All right, folks. We are here. It is time to get the dude dead. <laughs> it's your boy Tommy and Jesse. Your boys, Tommy and Jesse. And we are here for another installment of the Faith Chair. It is Friday. And a whole lot of stuff is going on. And we're going to talk about it in the barbershop um, from a faith perspective. Um, like we always do. Uh, Jesse, how you doing? How's everything going with you guys? Good, good. We are, uh, <clears throat> as many of you probably are right now, we are gearing up. We're having our first in-person service on uh, on Sunday. Oh, cool. So, you know, getting ready for that. We got the, uh, if you all want a cool idea and you haven't seen this already, uh, it might be too late for this Sunday, but if you're reopening soon, um, rapidwristbands.com they're the best price on the internet because they give you if you order just a hundred you pay for a hundred they give you two hundred for free oh wow um and they, they they wised up they realized a lot of churches were doing this and now they're marketing it as such but essentially we bought a hundred red hundred yellow and a hundred green I've seen those. wristbands yeah and uh so when people come to the door they can pick one uh obviously everyone has to wear masks but red would mean you know no contact uh no interaction I'm just here for service. Yellow would mean um, interaction, but no physical contact. Green would be, you know, we can shake hands or, or hug or have physical contact. But, of course, everyone has to keep their masks on. So people can kind of allow someone a simple um, and that uh, way of signaling at what level they're comfortable with interacting with people and uh, without having to have all kinds of misunderstandings and awkward encounters and things right. like that. So. Uh, we, we saw another church was doing that and we thought it was a cool idea and apparently enough people have done it now that they've wised up and realized and this, they actually have a marketing campaign going for it right now but it's pretty cool yeah. I, uh, I saw it a couple weeks ago um, one of uh, one of our children's pastors sent a, a photo of a church that had done it except they took a photo of their table and um she sent it off like, man, that'd be a cool idea to, to do something like that. I'm yeah. glad you guys are doing it. Let, let me know how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, it's, I think the big curiosity is, uh, is just to see how many people are going to show up. Right. Uh, the national stats are showing that uh, states that have reopened and churches that reopen um, have only seen a, an average, I think, of 25% of their congregation come back. Okay. Um, not 25% capacity, which is what the requirement here is in Washington, but just 25% of their congregation. So I think it was, uh, I was reading an article by Carrie Newhoff, and I think it, it was titled something like uh, Reclosing After Reopening. Yeah. And so he was just talking about That's no. my dude, by the way. I love Carrie. Yeah, yeah. He's been putting out some really good stuff. If you guys want to read some really well-written um, observations and um, encouragement and wisdom and guidelines for for churches that they navigate all of this stuff right now during the pandemic. Uh, yeah, uh, Pastor Kerry Newoff has been putting out some really good stuff. Um, 
but he was yeah he was kind of talking about that dynamic like a lot of churches like you know pushing to reopen they reopen and you know if you're not a church of 500 or a thousand like you know if you're the average church of 75 and you have 25 percent of your congregation show up you know you, you're gonna have to ask yourself some hard questions about yeah. whether it's worth all of the the effort and the risk and yep. the cost of all the 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 cleaning supplies and the ppe supplies uh to continue to have in person um and so you know he was mentioning that some churches and encouraging other churches when you face with that like uh, you know, just go back to going to being online yeah. until people are more comfortable coming back to church. So it's like don't don't force the issue and burn yourself out and waste resources. Right. So uh, yeah, so we're we are interested to see how this first Sunday goes, and uh, and we'll kind of we'll go from there. You guys got the temperature check and all that stuff, or no? Uh, we're not doing the temperature not check. Uh, we're doing, we have the uh, you know our ushers at the front door will be asking the you know the three questions. You know, have you tested positive in the last fourteen days? Have you been around anyone? in close contact or are, do you have any um, symptoms in yeah. the last 48 hours? Yeah. Um, so we'll be asking those questions. Decided not to do the temperature check. Nice. Uh, yeah, everything else. Ob- obviously now, if you guys didn't know when you're in Washington, the governor's July 7th order that uh, businesses are now uh, required to make sure that anyone in their facility has a mask on and refuse service to anyone who doesn't, yeah. uh, that applies to churches. So um, people can still say that they have a medical reason that they can't wear one and you're not allowed to ask or uh, require any more information than that. So um, I would hope that Christians would not walk into church and lie just to not be able to wear a mask right. and then go worship the Lord. Uh, that would be messed up. Hey, say that again. <laughs> say that again. I'm sure some people heard Look, it, but didn't yeah, like, listening. Yeah, like let's let's talk about it, guys. Like, don't because for whatever reason you want to wear your mask, do not go in and then lie and say you had a medical condition and you can't wear a mask, and then go into the Lord, the church to worship the Lord. Like, huh, put the same mouth. How does James say it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, you let's not have any of that, guys. Plus that, you know. <laughs> That can muddy the waters. Sometimes when people take advantage of exceptions like that, those exceptions go away. Yeah. And so, so you can, you could be a part of of uh, complicating things for people who actually really do have those issues. Which yeah. there are people who can't just can't wear a mask. I was talking to somebody recently, and they opened my eyes to some other. It's not just medical. Um, mm-hmm. I, I received a comment from a young lady who had a you know traumatic experience. Um, with uh, rape as a child and okay. so she has a psychological reaction to having a mask or anything over her mouth Wow! Um, and that wasn't something that I had considered before right. either so you know there's reasons that some people are walking around without masks but uh, if we don't have those reasons you know you and I you know, we both feel that biblically we should be wearing masks right. uh, not because uh, they have the right to force us to but because um, we have the right to give up our freedom on behalf of our brothers and sisters. Uh, that's what, that Paul, that's we, what Paul tells us in Corinthians. Have the right we have up. the right to give up our rights and our freedoms in because service to our right. brothers and sisters. That's right. Um, even if we see them as being weaker of conscience or conviction, that's exactly what 1 Corinthians talks about. It sure um, is. In, uh, what is it, chapter 8 and 9, I think it is. Might even be chapter 7, too. No, I think it's 8 and 9, but... Uh, you know, so if you want to read that and, and see that, that's that's kind of how I feel. You know, so th- there may be people at your church services, people you see at the grocery store, who don't have a mask on, and uh, hopefully they have a legitimate reason for that. 
because everyone else is required to right now, and that is not just in protection for ourselves, but in protection for each other. And, and can I add to what you just said, based on uh, what First Corinthians says, uh, it doesn't matter what you believe necessarily about yeah. uh, the also information does, coming it out. It also about doesn't COVID. matter if you're right or wrong. Right. It does not matter. Right. Because uh, in in, uh, in chapter nine, I think it is, Paul makes this long. Uh, a list of all of the rights that he has access to right. and the reasons why he has it and then he says and yet I don't claim any of these rights so that I can have a more powerful witness that's right and, uh, and so you know it doesn't matter you, you you might be completely right and you might be completely justified and yep. you know constitutionally you might be right that it's unconstitutional for government to be requiring you might be right about all of that and yet, we still have the right as Christians to give up our right. freedom and our if right you are in believer, service to others. It. Because there are those who are uh, afraid of this virus. There are those who will not come to church if people are not wearing masks. That's right. Um, there are people who are susceptible to this virus and could die. And so, you know, in service to all of those people. And again, as Paul says, to win as many as we can. Give up um, your right. Yeah, I'm willing to, willing to wear a mask even if I don't have to. That's so. right. So, what are we getting in today? That was perfect segue. What are we getting into today? Yeah, so, you know, uh, there's there's continuing, I mean, we have no shortage of topics because <laughs> there is so much uh, conflict and competing ideas and seemingly a brand new controversy every, you know, 24 to 36 hours, um, you know, right now in, in, in the world and Crazy. specifically in our nation as we all deal with this pandemic and you know, uh, uh, before I jump into it, so I, <laughs> something that just illustrates how crazy this is, and I think why some of it is so difficult for all of us, is uh, uh, Pastor, uh, our, my pastor, Pastor West, uh, he just went down to Louisiana to visit family. Oh, yeah. And so right. we, were we, were, we were chopping up and catching up with him and, and talking about, you know, he was talking about his flight and, you know, when he flew down, I think it was on American uh, he was like, you know, everything was separated and spaced out and every other row and all this stuff. And then, yeah. uh, they, you know, anybody who's been flying recently, everyone we know who has been, you've probably experienced this. A lot of flights getting canceled, times getting changed. Like, there's really no safe bets um, in flying right now. Uh, they're all scrambling around trying to make things happen and not lose tons of money. And so they had their flight changed a bazillion times. And on the way back, they ended up having to take a different airline. The airline moved them to a different airline because they didn't have a flight until the next day or something wow. like that. And uh, so they, he's like, you know, they had a connecting flight in Dallas. And on that connecting flight to, from Dallas to Seattle, he said people were packed in like sardines. What? And that, had, that got me thinking. I don't know if this is true, but I'm assuming. I was like, I wonder if the airline, the rules that the airlines have to follow depend on what state they land and take off from. Hmm. And and it's just another illustration of how the fact that every state and then within the state, different counties and regions all have different rules yeah. and requirements. I mean, it's just, it makes it really confusing. And for those of us like in Washington who are in states that have been a little bit more restrictive in their requirements, we look at other states and other counties of the regions, we see them being able to do things we can't. And that lends to that frustration, right? Um, but, you know, it, it, we should always remember that there's reasons. We've had yeah. a lot more cases and a, a, a much higher increase in cases here in Washington than in many other parts of the country for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Um, mostly, from what I've seen, it has to do with, you know, density of population, 
things like that that make it easier or harder for social distancing and stuff of that sort. I, I, I have to go back and say, though, and, and I, I, I know you agree with this, um, with all that information out there, with all the conflicting uh, information that is out there right now and how confusing it, it makes it, we, ha we still have, as believers, we still have a working filter that we can use in every situation, and that is give up my right from our brother yeah. and sister. No matter how confusing the information is, if you are a Christ follower, you have to remember, hey, yeah. my goal in this life as a Christ follower is to bring him glory and joy to others. Yeah. So I, it, it should be a pleasure for us to, to give up our right for, yeah. for our brother and sister. Yeah. Paul said that I become a slave to all. Yeah. And, and what he really means there is not that they have a mastery over him. But that he approaches yes. everything the same way Jesus did, which was how can I be of service? Yeah. And then, of course, his goal in First Corinthians chapter, I think it's nine, when he says that I become a slave to all that I might win. That I might win some. That I might win some. You know, just recognizing that if I come in the heart of service, I'm more likely to be listened to when it comes to the message of Christ. And so, I, I don't think I ever told you this, but you know, you know the scripture. Look, you I've been talking a lot about Corinthians because <laughs> we're doing a Bible study in Corinthians right now. Um, I, I always tell people, like, like I've realized as I become a pastor, I have a lot of scripture in me, yeah. but I have never, never been the person who like knows scripture and verse. Like even right now, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's like in chapter nine. And I know right, that because right. the last three weeks we've been in our Bible study yeah. in chapter nine, but I can't tell you which verse it is. Like I, that's just never been me, but, but you know, I know it's there yeah. and I know how it's phrased enough to where I can find it if, when more, I need to. So but more importantly, you know, it, and I think here's where we get, we get jacked up. I know what's happened to me and it's happened to, to you. Uh, we talked about it in the very first episode. A lot of what we did growing up was a result of the teaching that was coming from a place of misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. They thought they understood what they were reading. And because they thought they understood it, they taught it. So we're getting this information from a place of misunderstanding, and then we're appropriating this misunderstood information in our lives and hoping to get the results yeah. from it, but, actually, but we weren't getting it at all. Yeah. And um, as a result, now we're in a position um, similar to, to the position that Paul was in. Hey, guys, what are you doing? Yeah. I, you think it's okay to do this, but as Christ followers, let me let me let me help course correct you, yeah. for for a second, and um, uh, some more than you even know in the scriptures, just the understanding of it and what it means, not just for you but for uh, our you know our fellow brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's interesting. Like we've mentioned this before, and I think it's gonna bear it's gonna bear uh, uh, repeating on the conversation that we're gonna have today. But, uh, you know, we, we have a tendency in, in much the same way that we have um, um, erased the more negative aspects of the people and the, hit, the, the events and moments of our own American history. Yeah. The church has done the same thing. Yeah. Like we have this very venerated, elevated image of the New Testament church. Um, and and. And yet they were really messed up. <laughs> they were jacked up. Like the whole New Testament exists. We've said this a number of times before. Like the whole New Testament pretty much exists because 
first Jesus had to come back, and in the course of him, obviously he had to, he had to come primarily to sacrifice himself. But in the course of his ministry, he was primarily trying to bring correction yep. and and revelation, understanding to the ruling elite of of the Jewish people, God's chosen people, and to bring truth to people who have been taught wrong by those religious leaders. And then yep. the rest of the New Testament is essentially the apostles trying to get people who had become believers to understand how they were actually supposed to live this Christ likeness out because mm. they were they were getting yeah. it wrong left and right. It's basically and, them saying recalculating. Yeah. Recalculating. And, it, and in having conversations so so we don't continue to be in vague, we're gonna talk about this issue of, of singing in church, which has become prominent right now because uh, I don't know if any other state has done it. I know there's been some states that have banned choir singing, Washington being one of them. But seeing in complete, I, I've only heard of California. I don't yeah. know if there's been others since then or that there were others that, you know, it just didn't become that big of a deal. I don't know. But California did. And, of course, it's become a huge uh, boiling, no, what's the word? Not boiling. Um, Not boiling point, but a huge, uh, hot, it's a hot topic. Yeah, hot topic, huge, huge point of contention. Um, between Christians and obviously uh, Christian conservatives who even don't live in California, um, just you know railing against this. Yeah. Um, and in some of my conversations, a lot of what has been brought up is well, there's there's been singing in the church since you know the early church, and and it, you know, it's a little bit difficult, obviously, to verify exactly what that looked like. But the thought that I had was like you know okay, you had the disciples. You had the disciples, right? You had the ones who actually walked and talked with Jesus, who, actually walked with who, who you see engaging in this kind of unending mission of getting the church to actually get things right, right. according to Jesus' teaching throughout the New Testament, right? Um, you know, and then they pass away, right? At, at whatever point they they die, right? We we generally accept Jesus uh, died and was resurrected in uh, thirty three A.D. Um, and so if the disciples were around his age, you know, they probably died off around, you know, in the 70s, 80s, or 90s, 80s. So by the end of the first century A.D., uh, all those who had walked and talked with Jesus were likely uh, dead. Oh, right. Um, and, and so then you have a number of generations that passed before you have this codification of the canon of Scripture. Which is what guides us today. Right. So what did you have? You had people doing their best to pass on the teachings of the disciples and of Christ. Um, but that only increases the chances for errors in practice. And so I think it's important uh, not to pay undue mind to what may have been the traditions or practices of the right. early church. If they appear to conflict with what we see now as scripture which they didn't have right we always it, it's easy to forget that when they mention scripture or god's word in the new testament they're talking about the old testament because they were in the midst of literally writing the new testament canon at the time Can you you might have to say that again because i, I don't there's a there is a lot that spiritual leaders have assumed that people they were speaking to just knew yeah. They thought we're givens. When they say things, they're like, oh, they know what I'm talking about. But we don't. They don't. Yeah. So what Jesse just said, a lot of people may not know that. In the New Testament, when they said when they said the word scripture, they were not talking about what he was writing to them. They were talking about the Torah, the five yeah. um uh, the first five books of the old covenant. 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In uh, some of the prophets' writings, Isaiah, um, he, was, he wasn't talking about anything else. Yeah, and, and that's why, you know, when you see, when you see, you know, if you're looking on, uh, on a digital Bible or, you know, even if you study Bible, they have those little references when they quote scripture. So none of it, none of it references to a New Testament because they, the New Testament wasn't written yet. Right. They were living the New Testament to be written and codified later and then centuries later to be brought together as a collection um, through prayer, fasting, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit as what we call the canon, the uh, spirit-inspired, unerring word of God. And so, you know, that's an important distinction to remember as we read the New Testament. Um, and as we consider the life of the early church, that they didn't, they did not have the Bible. They didn't have the codified teachings of Christ like we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, they, yeah. they didn't have uh, the disciples around anymore. In, in some ways, um, you know, there was written accounts. It was also oral tradition. But just, just the, if we look at the New Testament, how much they were getting wrong, it just it made crazy. me realize, like, until, until we had the church with, uh, with a codified scripture to, to testing and measure things against, um, that there was a, a pretty big opportunity for some errors in a, practice a and understanding, um, especially as the disciples themselves passed away and it went on to the, the next generations. It's kind of like telephone, right? Um, there's more opportunity for error the farther it goes from the original source. Yeah. Um, not in the writings, we understand, because part of the reason why we can trust it, if you know biblical history, is because they found thousands upon thousands of copies of these scrolls and their consistency with each other is essentially miraculous. It's yeah. unprecedented in archaeology. There's no other document in the history of the world that has had so many copies of it found historically. And then with that, the consistency between the renditions right. um, across a, a, a pretty significant time frame. Right? They weren't all written. All the transcriptions right. weren't all from one decade or from one generation. Well, they sat down and said yeah. and compared notes yeah, with each other while writing. Yeah, it, like it, it was. It's it's incredible, and there's basically nothing else in the history of archaeology, in the history of the world that has had that same level of consistency, and and supporting documentation. Um, I I was reading for some time, but they, you know they were talking about like versus all these other historical documents that we look to like how many copies they found of those would be like 10 yeah. or you know 32 and the bible you're talking about tens of thousands yeah. of supporting documents that show that the, the writings were consistent so you know that's significant but um, you know as we talk about singing in church and it's importance and, and we had what was that was that three podcasts ago three episodes I ago think, uh, it was like 33 yeah so, so from this one, I think it would be three ago. So you want to go check it out. We talked about um, the culture of worship in the church and um, the, you know, how, you know, we see in scripture, we feel like the, the, the church has kind of gotten a lot of that wrong in our misunderstanding of what worship really is and our, our drastic over uh, focus on musical singing in service as our expression of worship. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so now, now you, you're facing the situation where, um, and, and, I, and we know, you know, from political, from politics that oftentimes what California does, a lot of other places do, 
Um, and so, you know, I think that's what people are most scared of is that California will set this precedent of right. banning singing in churches during the pandemic and the other states are going to follow suit, which is definitely likely to happen. But you just, you have, we have all these people up in arms uh, from a constitutional perspective and from a religious perspective, right? First Amendment rights and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, how dare they, how could they? And, you know, I think the... I, I, you know, I come from a legal background, so I'll, I'll jump on, I'll jump on the constitutional argument, Tommy, yeah. and you can, I feel like I'm talking a lot. So no, that's you, fine. No, you, that's can ju- you can jump in on the, on this, on the spiritual one a little bit, since, you know, especially since you're the worship leader. Um, but, uh, you know, people who, and it's funny because I commented on a pastor who posted an article about, you know, oh, this is unconstitutional. And, uh, and people's responses were kind of hilarious. Because they were really arguing that, like, according to the Constitution, like, there's no right to limit anyone's religious freedom at all. Yeah. And I was like, uh... <laughs> my original comment was even like, um, there's some religious beliefs that we don't give people freedom to pursue. Yeah. Uh, radical Muslims have a religious belief in, in jihad, okay, a- against people who are non-believers. That's, That's right. You know, uh, we... And, and there's... There are American citizens... Who are, are part of that sect and we call them terrorists we don't give them religious freedom to pursue that we sure don't. right we don't that so that's a really extreme example I gave two examples in my comment one that was a very extreme one a much more benign one would be uh, we know that we can't go set up in a park at two o'clock in the morning and have church service right with like you know our speaker blaring 128 d- dbs right, right because we have the freedom to worship god you know because because uh, uh david said you know you know uh, uh, rise up early in the morning and you know like we can support it biblically we can definitely support the fact that we have a, a, a religious yeah. uh, belief system that holds that there is value to rising up early um, you know, at the rise of the sun, or even earlier, to to worship God. But we, scene. but we understand that we don't have the freedom to do that. Why? Because it disturbs and violates other people's freedom. Yeah. And so, uh, any anyone who is thinking rationally instead of emotionally understands that our constitution. One of the ways that our constitution provides freedom for everyone is by limiting everyone's freedom as well. Right. Thank I don't. You. I don't have the freedom to do whatever I want. Um, if it infringes upon someone else's freedom, um, and, and so and, and we see that sounds like scripture. Yeah, we see that in something as simple and benign as uh, um, noise ordinances. Yeah, right. Where I've been at churches where the neighbors have been like, you know, even through the walls of the building, because we, you know, we were loud. When I say 128 dBs, like I've been there, um, it was just like you. Know, <laughs> Early in the, like, you know, worship practice at 7 o'clock in the morning, you're disturbing the neighbors, and they're hearing the booming of the drums and the singing through the walls of the church, through their walls, and it's waking them up. Yeah. You know, and we had to, we had to, and that was a violation of the, the city ordinance, so we had to bring the volume down inside. Oh, they violated our freedom. It's unconstitutional. It's like, no, it's, that's not how the Constitution works. Nothing was an absolute freedom if it infringed on someone else's freedom. Because if it did, remember the Constitution requires equal protection under the law. Yeah. Which means that I cannot, I cannot create a, a, an understanding that allows you to have the freedom to do something to the point that it causes this person to not have the same level of freedom. Right. That's, that's unequal protection. And so there are clauses in the Constitution that define to us 
how those freedoms, including the First Amendment, are to be interpreted. And, and I think that's, that's, it's important to understand. So to me, a temporary ban on singing in services, because look, all, all of the, re- there is no, uh, uh, there is no controversy or discussion on this. You know, there's, there's the, to mask or not to mask, uh, death rates, fatality rates, uh, transmission rates. There's controversy about a lot of different things when it comes to the virus. But one thing that everyone agrees on is that being in, in a, in a, in a, a crowd, a group, large group of people and singing is one of the most dangerous things that you can do. Um, I was just reading about uh, how Japan, like they didn't just shut down concerts and large gatherings. They were like, hey guys, um, which actually they, did, they didn't force it. They, people did it voluntarily. I'm just on that. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. That, that was one of the things about Japan. They were talking about how just the culture, the people voluntarily did what was suggested hmm. and the government never really had to come down with any mandated requirements but really? they're like hey guys karaoke is probably not real safe right now and, and so people so thing. people stopped going to karaoke and that's that's their thing. yeah karaoke is really big like in they can't yeah, so like that that's their though they voluntarily stopped because it wasn't just it's not just religious singing that's dangerous it's it's just how we propel uh droplets. bacteria and droplets uh, out of our mouth when we sing um, that is incredibly dangerous, and so uh, it's 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 it, it would be like one of the number one ways that we could transmit the virus amongst a group of people, and that's why they that's why many states have banned choir singing, and we've seen examples of churches that have choirs where one person was infected and literally eighty percent of the people in the choir got infected. Nine people be- in one church in a choir. Well, I saw one where it was like eighty six. Seriously? Yeah, it was a larger choir, and one person was sick, and 86 of, like, 120 members or something like that got it. So, um, so... 86, con- yo. So, constitutionally, uh, it is not unconstitutional for, for them to say, you know, you can't, um, you can't sing. And, and again, this is, this is a temporary... I know there's some conspiracy theories out there who don't want to believe that. They think we're, we're all getting set up for everything... And, uh, again, my, my <laughs> again, my argument is whatever the facts are, however confusing those same facts might be, as a believer, our responsibility is still to give up our right for our brother and sister. Um, and I'm not saying don't know the facts. Yeah. Don't. That's that's totally fine. But when you let those facts rule. Uh, uh, when those facts become your filter for, for how you make a decision, uh, then we've stepped out of line because that's not what we're called to do. That's not, that's not who we are called to be. Yeah. Um, so the whole, so now the argument is if I can't sing, then I'm not worshiping. And if I'm not worshiping, then I'm not doing what God wants has called us to do. Yeah, well, well, and you saw it with some of the articles and responses people. Uh, uh, California's governor thinks he can stop us from worshiping God. It's like, no, he just said you can't sing in church. Right. He just said you can't sing for the one and a half hours that you're in church on Sunday morning. You can go home and sing. You can sing in your backyard. Right. If that's how you worship God. You can also worship God in the 99.9% of other ways that the Bible teaches us to worship God with singing literally being one of the least ways singing is the least one of the least ways if you study it in scripture the it least. is one of the least ways um and and uh you know and we we talked about this in that that podcast a few episodes ago um 
I think we we all understand, right? And I'm gonna I'm looking you guys straight in the eye right now. I think mm-hmm. we all understand, right, that Jesus is supposed to be our ultimate example of how to live this life of faith as, as being Christ life, right? If we're gonna be Christ like, we gotta look at Christ life. Now, I, I want to <laughs> I would I want to challenge you. Go ahead and go and look at the the four gospels, and I want you guys to show me where it says even once that Jesus saying. Where it says we'll even wait. one time that he sang any songs of we'll worship. Because the argument, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous argument based on American rights. Based on the right, our earthly rights, not on our heavenly rights, which are to give up our rights. Yeah. For each other. Well, that's the, yeah, that's the one side of it. The other side of it is like, it's not... It's not really something that's necessarily worth fighting for. It's not. In the context of it being a temporary restriction based upon this pandemic making it a dangerous activity to engage in in a group. Right. And but I'm ag- sorry. But again, Paul, again, what is Paul? Uh, we were talking about this uh, with our staff in terms of reopening. Like, if we make it voluntary to wear masks, yeah. the people who feel like they need to wear masks are going to come into church and see a bunch of people without masks on. Right. Is that going to make them comfortable? Is that going to make them feel like they want to be in church? Right. Uh, is that going to make an unbeliever want to stick around? Um, and same thing. Same thing goes with like singing and stuff like that. Like, there's some temporary things that we we have to give up our freedoms for, um, in, for the sake of making sure that everyone feels comfortable. Right. Um, a Christian who has this burning desire to sing songs, your faith is not going to be damaged by not being able to sing songs for a couple of months. Well, it could be if they think that that's what worship is. Because, again, just like we talked about, and I don't want to dwell on it, but we talked about it in the, uh, in the worship episode that, that we did. Um, singing, like John Bevere said, singing is, all, is not about... Um, uh, worship is not about singing, but obeying. Worship is about obedience, and I think for a lot of us, it's easier, as we're seeing right now, we're seeing this right now, it's easier to sing to God rather than obey Him. Yeah. People would rather sing to Him, and that's the reason. Because if I can't sing to Him, then I actually got to live my life for Him. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I have to appease Him in other ways. I have, to, I have to do other things. I have to treat my wife right. I have to treat my neighbor right. I actually have to have the conversation about racism in the church. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's yeah. so many things that yeah. uh, we would rather do. Singing being one of them, uh, as far as the form of worship that we have chosen, to the, the offering that we have chosen to bring to God, we said, God, we don't want the offering that you require. We're going to give you what makes us more comfortable. Right. And singing to you makes us more comfortable. Because yeah. we don't want to obey you. And we're not saying that with our words, but like Dr. Phil says, your actions are speaking louder than your words. (laughs) You didn't say it with your mouth, but you did it with your hands. And so, um, uh, but that's really what's going on right now. People's hearts, people's hearts don't really want to change and bend for the Holy Spirit. So if, because if we really did, if we really allowed him to lead us, we would see how worshiping him in our daily lives, like Paul says in Romans, being a living sacrifice, we'll see how he could use us in, a, in such a greater way. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and if you can worship God in so many other ways than singing, that that is and not we, the way that we, He has. We talked. We talked about in the episode too. What what very little instruction we have about uh, singing and music and that type of worship and pr- actually not even worship. It's not ever termed in worship. It's termed yeah. in praise that we yes. have in the New Testament. Um, is uh, is is more of a if you read it it's more of a sense of a solo declaration of testimony um, that is made in it's not a pre-written song that we practice and rehearse and sing over and over yeah it's out of someone's heart of of how they worship God in their day to day life yeah something that he led them to do that or some way that he showed himself faithful that week and it wells up inside of someone through the Holy Spirit in right. song. It's not, um, you know, and Paul says, like, one one may sing, one may, you know, two or That's three right. may prophesy, um, you know, one may speak in tongues and another translate. Like, it, it, it's not the sense of this congregational thing. Um, you know, and even when people point to the Psalms, there's no, um, to my knowledge, there's no evidence in the Psalms themselves that these were, I know some of them were adopted by the Jewish people, but mm-hmm. there was no evidence that David's intention was for these to be uh, sung repetitively. He wasn't making an album. It was like these these were welling up out of his experiences and his praise to God yeah. in in the, his laments to God and his praise to God. Um, and it's entirely possible in the way that I what I read in the New Testament would, would inform me that it was more likely a singular event um, of declaration. And then, yeah. and then they would move on to whatever the next one was, because um, it was all a reminder. And, the, and that David wasn't the only writer. It's yeah. just we don't, we pretty much have David and. Because um, here's the thing: we we thank God. And a friend of mine told, uh, said this to me on, on uh, the Northwest Worship Collective podcast. He said, "We think we sing to him to rem- to remind him, because he forgot that he was Almighty." <laughs> No, we sing to remind ourselves how yeah, awesome he is. Yeah. God, God, God been, already knows. Yeah, God's been having me in that revelation for a while. I've been continuing to kind of put that in front of our church when we worship. Like, yeah. Like, do we really think that, that when I say I exalt thee, that he gets lifted up higher right. than the throne of all creation that he already sits on? That he already sits like, on. Like, my praise can neither elevate nor reduce him right. in his reality. Right. But it can elevate or reduce him in my reality. Come that on. When I, when I say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, I'm speaking to You're my speaking soul. To your soul. I'm saying he is great and mighty. He's the Savior. He's the Lion of Judah. All these things that we sing. Uh, Savior, all, you know, he, uh, um, what's the new song? He turns graves into gardens, all oh, this yeah, stuff. Yeah. You're declaring that to yourself. You're reminding yourself, hey, this is the throne that God sits on. So if anything this week happened to try to elevate itself above him, I'm reestablishing his place in my heart That's so right. that I can walk in faith. That's right. I'm building up my faith. That's what. But when we when we praise the way the Bible tells us, it's it's about recognizing and glorifying him for what he has done. It's it's not these these repetitious songs. The Bible talks about making a new, a new sound, a new song. Um, the, the one of the few scriptures in the New Testament that talks about singing at all is uh, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, right. one to another. It's not even to God. It's to build each other's faith up. It's it's me looking at my brother and and, and with a little melody saying, you know, the Lord is good because yeah. this you know this week he you know did this or that. So be encouraged, brother. 
Um, <laughs> That's right. Because then it says making melodies that? in your heart to in the Lord. To the Lord. In your heart to the Lord. So there's been a lot of misunderstanding, and and we, you know, again, I don't want to continue to rehash all of that episode. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But a musical worship, not just on Sunday mornings, but in Christian culture, period, um, has become in entirely too elevated yeah it has become i mean think about it. our sunday services most of us is probably about a third worship which means it has become 33 percent of what we do on a yeah. sunday um just music and and I, I i'm gonna be i'm gonna be brutally honest right now and that i am fairly confident to say that the vast majority of christians especially in this country probably listen to more christian music than they ever read Bible or pray. <laughs> You're probably and, right. And most likely way more. You're probably right. And, and that's essentially a complete flip. It's an inverse of, it's the antithesis of, of what the Bible actually teaches us. The music is a very uh, a small part of what we do. And that, you know, again, look at Jesus. We don't see any evidence of Jesus. There's never is it mentioned that he broke out in song, that he worshiped God, praised God, you know, musically. He didn't play an instrument, none of that. But what we do see constantly in his life is we see how he went away to pray. We see, you know, him uh, uh, fasting. We see yeah. him teaching. We see him loving his neighbor and sinners and giving grace and forgiving. We see him doing all that stuff. We don't see him singing songs. Right. And, and he and, said, he even said, what you hear me say, what you see me do, is because my father yeah, I, has told me to do this. I don't do anything of my own accord. And that was the example that he set for us as far as worship yeah. goes. That's the example of worship that he, he set for us. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, even in the pictures that we have in the, in the New Testament of heaven... You know what is it? it's 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 the elders raising up, looking at the Lord and declaring once again, holy, holy, holy. You know, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. It, it's not like oh, they're having a big giant worship party yeah. and like it's just it, we have to. I just personally, I like I said, I don't think that there's a constitutional argument. Yeah. And I don't think it is something that is supposed to be so important and vital and core to our faith that we need to fight over it in the middle of a pandemic. Come on. And, and again, like, like, like I said, for a Christian who comes into church, it's a, it may be a mild inconvenience to not be able to sing some worship songs on Sunday morning. You can still go home and sing all the worship songs you want. Right. You can soak in other people's worship. You can play it. You can do all of that. Have all of that experience with the Lord that you want if that's what is your thing. But unbelievers don't come into a Sunday morning service like just aching to sing a worship song to the right. Lord, right? They're not even believers. That's not an important part of their pursuit. So a lot of the songs, most of the songs, they don't even know. Yeah, but if they know that you're going to be in there singing songs when singing is dangerous, then they may choose not to come. Wow. And 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 again, so it goes. It circles, goes your it circles back to Paul, and it circles back to chapter eight and nine of First Corinthians. Where yes, we if if you believe that we have a constitutional right to sing, uh, okay, cool. Like if you feel like you have the freedom and the right to sing for whatever reasons, biblically, constitutionally, whatever, okay, 
awesome. It's but essentially it's not even about that. Yeah. It's about it's about laying down my rights and my freedoms for the sake of creating an environment that is going to be as conducive as possible to reaching as many people as possible with the gospel. And right yeah. now, for Christians and, and, un, and unbelievers alike, that means a safe environment. Did we cover any possible pushback to this? Well, I mean, I think I think we've, we've talked about it. I, t- yeah. I, I mentioned the fact that some people come back and say, well, you know, uh, musical praise and you know worship has been a part of the church you know since the very beginning yeah i think that's well I mean, obviously that's a simplified understanding because it looked incredibly different than it does now even yeah you know 150 200 years ago let alone over the last 2,000 years yeah um so you know <laughs> there's that i mean there wasn't they didn't really even use instruments uh, for quite some time um and of course, across different traditions and different branches of Christianity as well, um, that's a pretty simplified understanding. Yeah. Um, but again, uh, we're not saying the scene is wrong. We're not saying that you know praise and worship and music, and Christian music, it's is totally wrong. not wrong. It's it's the level to which it has been, the degree to which it has become a a focus of our Christianity of our Sunday mornings. Um, at the expense of all the other things we could be more focused on right. that are biblically much more important. Um, but In like you said, things, but yeah. like you said, they are also. I think one of the reasons why worship is so. Uh, uh, insignificant in scripture in terms of uh, singing, singing, not worship itself, but singing is because it is the easiest thing to do and also the easiest thing to fake. Right. So God, God is hey. much more interested in how hey. again, uh, 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 Matt, what is it? Matthew twenty twenty five, Matthew somewhere in the twenties. I can't yeah. remember exactly where. When Jesus talks about the end days and he talks about you know the 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 judgment day and you know whatever you did to the least of these, right? He doesn't talk about any of our religious practices. Nope. He talks about the tangible things that we did for people. You know, did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you give me water when I was thirsty? Did you clothe me when I was naked? Did you invite the stranger in uh, to your home? Did you visit the the, the imprisoned? Did you care for the sick? Right. Um, And so he's much more interested in that worship. Um, And even even, uh, uh, it talks about it later in Paul where they're talking about uh, the giving, the generosity of church. And they say, um, because what will happen is the people who receive this gift will glorify God. That's right. Right. And that's we're trying to not just praise and worship God, but we're trying to foster more praise and worship to God. And so just realizing that like music, musical praise and worship is not it's the easiest to fake and it's the easiest to do without really doing anything else right you, it, we get the, we get the feeling and we yeah. get the satisfaction and we get the sense that we've entered into God's presence Sir, what is, have we done there we have we have taken something that is for him about him and made it about us yeah we've literally made it about us I, yeah. I read a book um, called worship matters and uh, in one of the chapters <laughs> he tells a story about how a guy walked up to him on a Sunday and said uh I don't like it when you guys do this song. Can you not do this song anymore? He said, well, he actually said this to him. He said, well, I'm sorry that you don't like it, but uh, you have to remember that we're not singing to you. Yeah. Wasn't that, wasn't that Francis Chan? 
Uh, it might have been, but I definitely read it. And Maybe I saw that quote. You know, sometimes those memes where people attribute quotes to people, it's not the right uh, person. <laughs> so maybe that's all what I'm remembering. But but I was yeah. like that that we turned it into it being about us when it was. It's never been about us. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I don't think we mentioned on that podcast dealing with worship specifically was uh, um, the thought just flew out of my head. I forgot what I was going to talking about that it uh, that we made it about us and not about him, which is he he always has to get the glory, and that's what's happening right now. We've taken something that was solely created for him. This is the thing I was talking about. Somebody asked me about, we were talking about Lucifer being in charge of the music and, and stuff like that. He was in charge of, of, uh, of ushering in the presence of God. And I was like, I'm not sure if he was in charge of ushering in the presence as much as he was in charge of putting all the attention. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about heaven, the presence of God. He was putting that, all the attention actually, on God. So that reminds, okay, so that, that's what it was that I was trying to say that I forgot for a second. Um, we talk about worship in this sense of like ushering in God's presence. Yeah. The worship team leads the congregation into the Holy of Holies. Oh, this is my favorite. Um, this is my favorite. <laughs> and it's like, like that's literally false. Uh, yeah, unbiblical teaching. Mm-hmm. You're taking, you're taking, you're taking Christ, and you're going back to before. You're going back to the old temple, the old law. Like you're literally going back to the God through the, the Holy Spirit. God lives in us, and we right. live in Him. There is no ushering into the Spirit. There is no falling That's right. of the Holy Spirit. There is no coming into the that Holy of right. Holies. Like we live, the Bible says we are seated, not can be. Right. Or if you do X, Y, and Z, you get to be. We are seated in heavenly places at That's the right, right hand of the Father. We are in him and he is in us as Christ was in the Father and the Father was in him. We have the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God living inside of us. And the Bible says where two or three are gathered, I am in the midst of them. I don't even think that that's uh, 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 some kind of promise of his presence it's uh, not. coming. It's the recognition that if there's two or more people who have the presence of God in them, then the presence of God is between them. Yeah. It's just a simple statement of fact. Yeah. And so, like, we've created this entire culture of worship, essentially, in the American church and really in the church in, across the world, right? Of uh, This idea copy, that, like, we have to do praise and worship to create some kind of atmosphere of God's presence when, in reality, he's in us the whole time. Yeah. Like, that song, Holy Spirit, come, fall down like rain, is like, uh, I did that. Here. It was called, he did that. It yeah. was called Pentecost. I didn't yeah. fall down like rain. I came like tongues of fire, but that's okay, yeah. guys. I give you a pass on that one. But he's sitting there like, I'm already here. Yeah. Why are you asking me for come? I'm already here. I was here when you walked in the room because I live inside of you. Right? And it's just like, you know, these are these us. are the and it, and it's it's interesting when you talk to people about worship or when you challenge people with this kind of thinking of worship. That kind of verbiage comes out, and you, uh-huh. and you you realize just how ingrained this is that we don't even think about it because we've accepted that this is true, and that yep. this is why uh, musical praise and worship is so important to have on Sundays. Because, okay, mm, <laughs> you're not gonna like this, but I I want you to follow me and understand that this is like like Tommy said, this may not be what we say. We might explicitly believe this, but it's subconscious and it's shown by what we do. We think that if we don't do praise and worship songs, God's presence isn't in the building. All 
It's not. It, it's actually said. Uh, I don't. I have. I don't feel the anointing yet. Yeah. Well. If, if you were to that have. That means you don't understand scripture. If we were to have services without singing, you know what you'd hear from a bunch of people? It felt dry. Yep. It felt dry. Exactly it was like a desert. I, I didn't feel the presence of God. I don't know if the Lord was here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? And then you leave. What? You will never go back to that. That is such unbiblical doctrine. Mm-hmm. And theology, it's incredible. Like you're 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 ignoring everything that Christ purchased and and everything that He accomplished. That's right. Uh, from His resurrection, His death to His resurrection to the uh, to Pentecost, the falling of the Holy Spirit. You're erasing all of that, and you're sending us back to a temple that had a curtain that only That's some right. people could through certain and... rituals could 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 put themselves in a position to be able to enter in. Dude, the, the veil was torn, guys. That's right. There's no barrier anymore. There's no restriction. There's no rituals we have to go through to enter into the presence of God anymore. That's right. That's one of the great things about what Christ accomplished. And we've thrown it away and created this false culture and this false idolatry of seeing. And we're seeing it again, just like yeah. when, just like the idolatry of the building that mm-hmm. we saw at the beginning of the pandemic, right. when people when people started, government started saying, hey, you guys can't meet in person right now because of this. Everyone was up in uproar because we made Christianity just about being in the building on That's Sunday right. morning. And then now with the singing thing, the, uh, one of the other great, I, I truly believe in past, if you guys listen to the, the panel episode on race with Pastor Michael Thomas from Radiant Church, he said this and uh, it has really been echoing in my spirit. The refining? He, he, yeah, he said, he said there's two kinds of fire. There's refining fire and there's revealing fire. Yep. And he said this pandemic and all this stuff that's been going on, you know, in our society, uh, social upheaval has been a revealing, a revealing fire. fire. I think one of the things that God is doing is he's shaking his church and he's revealing the things that we have made idols that's right. instead of him. That's right. And again, it's tricky. The enemy's tricky because mm-hmm. it's not like worship is is bad. Right. It's not like praise is bad. It's not, not like, like singing to the is Lord bad. is bad. It's right. not like writing Christian music That's or right. listening to Christian music is bad. It's not like meeting in the building is bad. Mm-hmm. But when they become the focus That's of right. our attention and the That's focus right. of our energy and when it becomes more important to us than actually living Christ-like, right. which is essentially what's happening Following right now, what we're him. seeing in the Christian church right now is that we're more interested in our rituals and our facilities than we are in actually living like Christ. Watch this. You, we would rather fight for that than for each other. Yeah. We would rather fight to keep singing and get back in the building than to fight for each other, our brothers and sisters yeah. who are hurting yeah. right now. That's more important. And that's, that's what Jesus came to dissolve. Yeah. He was like, you're, when he told the, um, the, uh, the Pharisees, it's like, your relationship with God is, is fine. Now I need you to not walk past your brother when he's been beaten and burglarized and left on the side of the road. Now I need you to not look at me while I'm at the well with a, with a woman who's a mixed breed and think that I'm breaking a law because now what you have with God, we want you to have with yeah. each other. Yeah. And uh, making the laws more important than the spirit <laughs> behind the law is what he came to uh, abolish. and. Um, uh, you can absolutely, like, like Jesse said, we, we want to reiterate, you, worship is, singing is not bad. I want to I change the verbiage. Singing is not bad. Um, it's fine. It's totally fine. But when we make it the focal point of our relationship with Christ, then we have missed the point. Yeah. 
we make the building the focal point of our relationship with Christ, and we have missed the point. It's not about the building, and it's not about singing. Yeah. Singing is not worship. Let's, we should just change the verbiage. Singing is not worship. How Paul said, living sacrifice, being a living sacrifice is what is, in, yeah. in the message translation, he says that is our true worship. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you, if you study it, this was the comment from the guy from that podcast yeah. who commented on it. He, he had done research on and study on this too, uh, to more depth than, than we had when we were talking about it. Yeah. Essentially the word worship in both the old Testament and new Testament is never connected with singing at all. It actually so means when we say, when we say singing prostrate. has nothing to do with worship, mm-hmm. that's actually absolutely correct. And the singing Greek can have something to do with praise, That's right. but it actually biblically is never connected with worship. Yeah. Um, I think he was saying maybe there might have been one place where the two were loosely connected, but it, it, but that that's literally never the, one place. Yeah. So like that word was never used to describe yeah what we do now. Yeah, I right? think I think what he was saying was it was actually it was a it was a both and yeah. So like worship and singing, not yeah. singing worship. Right. Um, so yeah, and, and even in Matthew, even when I think or Mark, where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. He wasn't saying, and now the time is where people who sing to me will sing to me in spirit and truth. Yeah. He wasn't saying that. Yeah, but that's what saying, we make live it for mean. me. That's right. That's what we make it that's mean right. when we talk about it in church, isn't it? When we preach about that it. That is right. When worship leaders use that scripture, mm-hmm. um, we use it to equate the scene of the song we're about to sing. You know, let's come together and worship God in spirit and truth. And, we sing. and, and again, I, I, I want to emphasize this too oh. is... Is that the way that we, even if we separate praise and worship, yeah. the degree to which we focus on and emphasize singing mm-hmm. um, is unbiblical, in my opinion, from what I see in scripture. It um, is. Because we just, we just, I'm they don't, they didn't even bother to talk about it. They yeah. didn't bother to give any, they gave us instruction on every other aspect of living and never told us anything about how, right. like, does that make any sense to you if this was supposed to be any kind of a significant part of our life? Right. And, and again, and, but how, even how we sing worship in church is not what the biblical model is. The biblical model is that this would be more of a spontaneous declaration of, of, of praise and testimony given by one or two people in a service, not something written down and performed by a band that we sing for months and months and months and years and years and years repetitively. And it loses all of its power and impact. And because we're just singing words and we're just singing a melody and it doesn't mean anything to us because someone else wrote it about their experience. It has nothing to do with us. And, and again, like you said, it just, it massage, it, it not massages, it tranquilizes um, our awareness right. of the absence of God working in our mm-hmm. own life. Mm-hmm. Like we should all be living a life where daily and weekly we have we have a song that wells up in us That's in right. praise and thanks to God for because what He has done. Because of what we, because of the fact that we yeah. are living yes. sacrifices and yes. seeing Him use us on a day to day basis. Yes. yes, that's that's what I would love to see. Yeah. And for the worship leaders out there who are freaking out and thinking. We talked about in that episode, like, okay, so what is, what about the worship leader who's right, a paid staff right, member? Right. If churches actually embrace this, like coming out of the pandemic, because mm-hmm. we have an opportunity right now to really reform what our Sundays look like as we get back to meeting in person after this hiatus, this is the perfect time to change our yeah. approach and our culture. Yep. Well, what if, like, what happens to me? Do I just not have a job anymore? Or what about what God called me to yeah. do? But we talked about how 
Like you can teach people how. Why can't worship leaders be people who are teaching people how to play instruments? That's right. Teaching people how to identify and mm-hmm. create melodies, so that mm-hmm. when that song, when that testimony comes inside of them, they're able to express it. Yeah. Um, teaching people how to to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in, in those moments to have the courage to speak up. Mm-hmm. What if we were teaching our congregations? Uh, how to engage in that. So every yeah. single week we had we had a song, but it was a song from an individual speaking to something that God had done. Yeah. Imagine how much more that that would build our faith right. than how praise and worship builds our emotionals. Because what else have we done simultaneously uh, with the fact that we've elevated worship to a point, singing to a point where it is the most important part of our faith walk? But we've also elevated the person who is doing it. Right. Yeah, there's a, there's a ripple effect. There's this you know domino effect. It's like, okay, we elevate the building because we elevated the person speaking in the building. We elevate worship or singing because we elevate the person, yeah. the person yeah. who's leading yeah. it. Let's make it really real. So on an average Sunday, uh, many of us probably wake up and... And uh, I'm just regular church attenders. Yeah. Those of you ministry is even different because we got to be there way earlier. Right. But you kind of wait, drag yourself in your bed and you're like, All right, I got to get up, get ready. I, you know, I got to go to church. Right. Right. But if Chris Tomlin was leading worship at your church, right? Oh, Chris Tomlin's going to be there. I'm going to invite all my friends. We're going to get there early because we yeah. want to be in the front. Like, seat is saved. What is that? What is that? <laughs> what is that but idolatry? Ask right? my wife. She <laughs> might know, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> she loves Chris Donald. I don't know why. He, but um, but yeah, I hope this, I hope this was challenging and and encouraging at the same time because you're not, we're not leaving you without hope. The hope is that if singing is taking taken away, if the building was taken away, you still have what we what we've always had, our lives. And we're able to live them in a way that brings glory to God and joy to others. Yeah. If they take away the building, if they take away the fact that we can no longer sing together, yeah. we still have what God has given us yeah. to well, give back to Him. What was it? Was that person on Facebook? They posted something about this. I saw you comment on it. It was something like, I, uh, you know, I wonder what our brothers and sisters in countries where you know they are persecuted and have to hide their faith. Oh yeah. Um, think about think about what this. We're doing where, here. where they don't where they never get to have a building where right. they don't where they can't sing yeah like are they lesser christians like are they not able to engage in the full like experience of of being christ-like because they're not able to sing that's like, like is that really what we're saying and so again it, it some of this is coming from that very privileged american mindset mm-hmm. and because we have freedoms to do it mm-hmm. we, we then equate it to being important that's right when so many of our brothers and sisters historically in the church and right, right now around the world can't do those things right. and yet why the church is growing faster there because they're, they're, having, amazing revi- cause they'll be <laughs> they're having an amazing revival and so i think both yeah. biblically and in in terms of evidence we see singing is 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 not a core it's the most it is not, it is it's so small both in scriptural focus mm-hmm. Um, it's it is non-existent in the life of Christ right. that we see, and it is it is barely even referred to well, in me, the rest of New Testament let, instructions. Let me, let me push church. back. Let me push back real hard before Don't push we too, before, before, <laughs> before we wrap it up. I'm that person that says, "Well, they took away the building. They're making us wear masks, and they're telling us we can't sing. What's next? 
We can't, we can't stand idly by and let them do this to us. I have an answer. I know that, but you push back on that. That's like a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to be a little self-serving, but not because I care about any of that because I'm not getting mm-hmm. any real benefit from it. But, um, the last sermon, if you guys want to go to youtube.com slash city view church, uh, Renton, uh, that's our YouTube page. I just preached this last Sunday. We started a message talking about how, how Christians should be dealing with struggle tests and trials. Mm-hmm. It's called SOS. And, and what I broke down was in scripture, we are actually supposed to embrace struggle. We're supposed to, the Bible talks about embracing it, talks about running into it. Uh, there's a crazy verse in Acts where the disciples uh, get taken before the leaders of the, the, and they're going to, you probably remember this, they're going to kill them. They, but they the one guy talks it. them out of it and yeah. says, no, you'll just make them martyrs. And this is all going to die away because right. Jesus died anyway. Don't worry about it. Right. So then they whip them. Yep. They flog them. The very next sentence it says, and they went away rejoicing they got, that they, they were able to suffer to disgrace right. for the Lord. That is not, not the Christianity that we live. Not we here. run away from struggle, which leaves us weak and undeveloped. That's right. Because the Bible says that, you know, that the, the testing test, of our faith. The, yeah, the testing develops endurance. The endurance yeah. de, uh, develops um, patience. Oh, perseverance. What is it? I can't remember the word. It's three, all right? Endurance. Yeah. Per- endurance. Uh, I think it's strength, at least in the translation. And okay. Then, and then the strength uh, uh, develops your confident hope in Christ. And but we run away from it. We run away from it. Like and and I think we need to understand that like uh, um, this whole situation is testing and trying. The faith it is it is a uh, both a revealing fire and a refining fire for the church if we'll allow it to be a refining fire. It's definitely a revealing fire whether we want it to be or not. And uh, and, and so yeah, it, again we have been so conditioned by our American mindset and culture that we are supposed to fight for our rights. We forget that that's actually completely opposite of what the Bible teaches us. Completely. It's completely, completely. opposite. Jesus didn't fight for his right. That's he did right. not esteem that being like God was that's something right. to be achieved. He, he came as a servant. Reputation. He gave up his rights. Right. Paul talks consistently about giving mm-hmm. up his rights. We see throughout scripture that we're supposed to, we're supposed to, I mean, there's just all these crazy, I, I again, watch the sermon. It, 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 the Bible talks about we welcome it with joy. That's we right. have overwhelming right. joy. Right. We, 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 uh, we should be excited. We should welcome. We should pursue. We should run into struggles mm-hmm. and challenges um, and oppressions and all of that type Not of stuff. Not get offended by them, but take them as an opportunity for growth. Yeah. That's what Paul said. Yeah. Take, it's an opportunity for growth. Yeah. And Not the offense. The analogy that I gave in, in the sermon was, you know, it's just like working out. That's exactly. You can stand in your room and you can go like this mm-hmm. for a hundred years you're probably not going to build up very much right. muscle. Right. Why? Because there's no resistance. No. You're, you don't have to struggle. The way we get stronger is through embracing struggle. My God. That's why people wear ankle weights and chest weights when they run. That's why we lift with, yeah. with uh, um, you know, uh, weights. That's why we use resistance bands. It is the resistance. It's the very struggle. It's the persecution that actually develops strength in us. And it's right. no wonder that the American church is so weak. That's right. Because we spend all of our time pursuing comfort and running away mm-hmm. from struggles. And that's not an easy revelation to accept. It's a biblical one. It's a harder one to accept because we've been taught the opposite. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's also a dangerous one. Because as soon as you hear that and believe it, mm-hmm. guess what's going to come? But here's the thing. <laughs> but, but, but you're, you're 100% right. 
we have to understand that, which is why I said, you guys, whatever confusing facts come out, whatever facts are confusing and they come out, whatever wrong facts, right facts, whatever, the end of the day, our hope, our goal is heaven. Yeah. Our hope, our goal is to be back with our Father. Yeah. And we are not called to serve our interests. We are called to give up our interests to, to it serve up. the interests of others. So, so why does this matter? I mean, for some, if you are, an, and if God has called you to work in government, awesome. We need more believers in government. But even at the end of that, you have to know that at the end of all of this, my time here, all I was, all I was supposed to do was plant and water and live in a way, like Paul says, that's worthy of the gospel. Because at the end of the day, for me to live, for us to live is Christ. But to die is our game. If you can't say that, then you are too American. You are more American than you are kingdom. And you would rather stay here than go be with him. Your ultimate goal is to be here as long as you can. To amass as much as you possibly can here on this earth. And not to be with him. And you can never say, for me to live is Christ. Because while you're still here... You're spo- we're supposed to be living for his glory. Yeah. He should be getting glory from our lives. And Paul said, I become, like he said, he uses the word slave, but what he's really saying, I become a servant to all. And isn't that exactly what Christ said? That's right. That came not to be served, but yeah. to serve. Yeah. And so I think that that should always be a limit test. Is is the the test, or is the is the stance that I'm taking is the battle that I'm engaging in, is the controversy that I'm arguing, there it is. is it in service of myself? There it is. Or in, is, would it be in service of others? Okay. Um, you know, would this be seen as serving my interests or would it be seen as protecting and serving others? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I th- you know. That's if, a great limit. I just posted that yesterday. Yeah. See, we all, we on the same. <laughs> that's why we do a podcast together. <laughs> we on the same wavelength, brother. <laughs> Hey, if you guys have any um, any thoughts, any questions about what we just talked about, or or things that we haven't talked about, and you wanna and you wanna kind of see what the conversation is like um, in the barbershop around that um, topic, uh, let us know. If you have any disagreements, if you have any agreements, let us know. Uh, where can they go for our, uh, besides the comments? Uh, Facebook page, the Faith Chair, um, and uh, you can email us at faithchairpodcast at gmail.com. Um, those are the two. But yeah, you can because you can you can comment on the page, you can message us on the page, um, but you can also shoot us an email faithchairpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. And this will be released on Monday as audio podcast. Um, if you couldn't hear it for whatever reason here, you'll be able to hear it on Monday. Uh, do the podcast so you guys have a great weekend and and comment let Jesse know if you want him to go bald next time <laughs> <laughs> no although I've been looking at some pictures I'm like I feel like my forehead is getting bigger so. that is a crazy <laughs> yo so we out we'll see y'all thanks for listening thanks for listening join us next time yes Please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to ask and answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. But until then, we'll see you guys next time here on The The Face Face Chair. Chair.